Welcome to People Tech, the podcast of the HCM Technology Report. I'm Mark Pfeffer. Today, I'm talking with Ali Fukagi, founder and CEO of Juno. His platform allows employees to choose what benefits, rewards, and support they'll get from their job. We'll talk about benefits and how they're changing, the impact COVID had on Juno's business, and more on this edition of People Tech. Hey, Ali, it's nice to see you. And let me start by asking you to tell me what Juno's trying to do. Our mission is to inspire healthier, happier workplaces by connecting employees to better choices. I mean, I worked my entire career in tech prior to founding Juno and always kind of loved the work hard, play hard approach. But I always felt as though the support on offer was a little bit untailored and being that kind of mental health and well-being is so personal it didn't make much sense for companies to be so prescriptive. And I think what our mission is, is to give the power in the hands of employees to make their own decisions. And, you know, for parents, that might be to get childcare when they need it. For young grads, it might be connecting with other people in a their, in their city, in a new city, perhaps, um, feeling a sense of community. And for kind of older folks, it might be uh, financial planning. I mean, there's so many things that are under the umbrella of well-being that we decided to build a marketplace that houses everything and give everyone an allowance that they can use to make their own decisions. So our mission is really to democratize what we would term as employee well-being. And can you tell me about the, the platform, the technology, and how that all works? Yeah, absolutely. So the way that Juno works is is fairly simple. Um, An employer will come to us and they'll say, you know, we really want to keep everyone happy and we find it very difficult. There are so many vendors out there. There are so many different uh, types of well-being, you know, from financial to mental to physical. And so what they do is they set an allowance every month for all of their staff. And that allowance is then converted into Juno points. And each employee has three ways to use the Juno points. So they can access our global marketplace platform. And in that way, they're able to um, pick and choose from over 14 categories from they can donate their points to charity. They can uh, buy house cleaning services. They can buy uh, a workout class in the local gym. Uh, but then there's another way of using their points. They can also use it on a, a virtual visa card, which could be used to pay for a gym subscription or Peloton or even a Kindle a premium subscription, which I know that a lot of people find very, very useful. And then the third one is an expensing feature. So say you already have a therapist that you like uh, and you've been working with, or say you have a childcare provider that you trust. Um, We don't want to force you to move and and, and use one of ours. Um, And so you can upload a receipt and get uh, reimbursed to, uh, you know, pretty much any currency that TransferWise will accept. Now, you, um, when did you start the company? Was it 2019? Yes. Yeah, I, I started in 2019. Okay, so 
your timing was really exquisite because in 2019, COVID was just starting to show up, I think, yeah. toward the end of the year. Um, so how has the market changed over the last couple of years? You know, what, what assumptions did you have to go through and revise because of every, everything that was going on? Yeah, it's a great question. So we obviously had no idea uh, that there would be a global pandemic when we were and I was kind of thinking about Juno, I think my, my passion was in uh, the societal effects of these outdated um, benefits. And, and I, I could sense that a new generation was at play. But I think what the pandemic did is I don't think it invented anything per se. I think it just made us face up to a lot of trends that were slowly moving um, and accelerated them. It was really the catalyst. So, you know, if you take other phenomena such as flexible working and flexible hours and remote work and, um, you know, global, global talent uh, and hiring remotely, I think those are definitely tides that were moving slightly slower because as you can imagine, you know, executives and leadership teams were risk averse. It was an unknown quantity and um, there were some risks, you know, at play there, but the pandemic definitely forced everybody to confront these. And what we found lo and behold is uh, that actually, wow, um, these these aren't such bad ideas. They they actually not only are they good for people, but it's great for the bottom line. And but what that meant for us as a business was a couple of things. The first and foremost is that it really renewed a sense that uh, our humanity was very important, and that uh, empathy and looking after one another was something that we needed to do more of. Because I think you know at the beginning of the pandemic, we were very um, well, we were reminded again that, uh, you know, we don't necessarily live in a very human first system. Um, and I think for a lot of businesses, they knew that the right thing to do was to, to, to renew a focus on, on, on their people. Um, but moreover, they, they had money that they'd saved, you know, they, uh, they thought, well, we got rid of the office, or we, we changed something up, and we have a little bit of spare budget. And we really want to reinvest that in our people, um, not only because they've gone through a lot and we value them, um, but also because we now are competing with a global workforce, with a global talent pool. We are competing with people that have seen maybe what it's like to live in the suburbs or live in the countryside during the pandemic, and they, want, they don't want to come back to a city. So all told for us, it meant that businesses came to us wanting to show that they value their staff, that they were different to any other employer, therefore you should come and work for us, um, but also that they can retain their people. So, so on those three themes, that was kind of um, transformative for us as a business. Do you love news about LinkedIn, Indeed, Google, and just about every other recruitment tech company out there? Hell yeah. I'm Chad. I'm Cheese. We're the Chad and Cheese Podcast. All the latest recruiting news and insights are on our show. Dripping in snark and attitude. Subscribe today wherever you listen to your podcasts. We, we out. Um, did the pandemic and all that was going on around it change your roadmap at all? Or were you able to just keep going with the same no it did it did we, we we were very focused on london um 
prior to the pandemic, partly because I was based there, but also because we thought, let's really dominate one city and show in the same way that, you know, maybe a business like ClassPass did at the beginning. Uh, but what's funny is that we solved a very kind of mundane problem, which ended up, you know, leading to us becoming a global platform, which was that uh, during the pandemic, like many people, um, we had users that had been based in London who actually moved down to their parents' place in the countryside and said, well, you know, I'm in Gloucestershire, which is like a suburb. It's not even a suburb, but it's a county that's outside of London. Um, you know, what am I going to do? You know, what can I access? And that's when we got thinking about, well, if we can provide some support to somebody and we can provide vendors and brands to somebody that's accessible in Gloucestershire, then why not someone in Germany? Why not someone in Seoul, Korea? Which actually changed our business overnight. You know, we, we started thinking more about digital services on the platform. We started thinking a bit more about sort of national services. That's when the advent of the card came about and the expensing feature came about. And that's why we now have, you know, employees in 53 countries worldwide using Juno uh, because of that one person in Gloucestershire. Um, shifting gears a little bit, you, in, in April, you raised uh, $4 million, um, 3.7 pounds. I assume you're looking for more um, just because of what you do. Um, what kind of response have you been getting from investors? Yeah, I think uh, investors have been extremely curious because the future of work as a space is obviously something that is uh, interesting. What we do is unique in the sense that, you know, remote teams especially don't really have a solution. Um, but we're very much at the crest of the wave. So, you know, I don't blame investors for wanting to kind of sit it out and see how things evolve you know you you see a lot of uh, employer of record businesses such as remote and deal and oyster hr really raising huge rounds of funding and rounds of funding that have valued them at uh, unicorn status and beyond um, those are obviously success stories in the hr field but what we see is is that that is very much focused on the sort of legal aspect the things that you must do and so we would hope that we are next in line and we are the kind of piece of the puzzle that is also a very ancillary to that. Um, I wouldn't say that raising money is ever easy and it certainly wasn't easy for us, but I think that based on where we're at in the market, um, if we continue to, to, to grow at an accelerated pace, I think that we'll have no issue uh, raising and raising from a good fund. So uh, yeah, so, so I suppose what I'm saying is uh, there is interest um, but it is not a uh, done deal. It is definitely something we have to prove, um, you know, that we are a, a solid business, a, a revenue generating one, one that can grow. And of course, you know, one with staying power because, you know, for, for me, I think our focus as a team as well is, is, is on building a brand that really resonates with people, um, especially young people. Uh, because I think we think, you know, employee benefits as a term is, is, is kind of outdated. And, and if you see a lot of brands in the, in the market, prior to us they're very legacy they're very corporate they're very focused on selling into the end user which they think is hr and so we're very much playing the long game uh, on that um and so we're, we're kind of biding our time and my last question is what <clears throat> what's really got your attention right now um could be a good thing could be a bad thing but you know what what in the market is 
sort of keeping you up at night? Keeping me up at night. I mean, excited. I'm very excited. I think for the future of of work. I think work life balance is is definitely you know even in the 70s, work life balance was derided as something that was totally mythical. You know, the idea that we have these two separate worlds and that we're going to be perfecting both and and that they're equal. I think what we're seeing and what excites me and what has got me thinking is is definitely this idea that we're moving. Well, we have moved into work life blend. Um, we are fully integrated with our working lives. Uh, there, there isn't a, a sort of, we kind of have to embrace uh, the idea that, that we were very much, you know, fully integrated with, with, with our jobs. And if we also consider that in the next 20 years, you know, the 10 year olds of today are going to be in management positions in 20 years time, you, know, you have to ask yourself what kind of working environment these, these, these folks are going to be expecting. And for me, you know, um, it's foolish to predict the future, but if we can be foolish for a moment, I believe that these young people will expect to be working for mission-driven businesses, for businesses that have purpose, for businesses that have great cultures, great benefits, more than just a paycheck. But moreover, you know, maybe societally, we won't, we won't be seeing people staying in jobs for more than a year. We're already seeing that actually uh, average 10 years are way down on what our parents and parents before that generation kind of works were, were experiencing. And so all that uh, is kind of worrying for employers, you know, because uh, the question is, if you're Microsoft, you know, what do you do to get a 20 year old excited to come and work for you? How do you ensure that, uh, business, a business such as yours, you know, that's maybe been around for decades or or even just a decade. How are you fresh? How are you exciting? You know, and and even the the sexy, hot, cool startups. Um, you know, take uh, Discord for example. They're not going to be sexy and cool forever. Um, so so the question is always, how do you position your employment? How do you stand out how do you amend yourselves to the sort of the new generation and that that's what excites me i don't know if it keeps me up at night i sleep very well um but it is something that i want to be a part of and i think juno definitely has a little piece to play a little part to play in that in that phenomenon ali thanks again for coming in thank you so much My guest today has been Ali Fakeki, founder and CEO of Juno. And this has been PeopleTech, the podcast of the HCM Technology Report. We're a publication of Recruiting Daily. We're also a part of Evergreen Podcast. To see all their programs, visit www.evergreenpodcasts.com. And to keep up with HR technology, visit the HCM Technology Report every day. We're the most trusted source of news in the HR tech industry. Find us at www.hcmtechnologyreport.com. I'm Mark Pfeffer. Faith in the news media has been challenged, making it even harder to get stories told. The Friday Reporter podcast was created to help audiences better understand the media. 
by hosting journalists who will answer the questions to which we need answers. Join me every Friday to hear more. The world's best-known investor and Wall Street expert Warren Buffett once said, Wall Street is the only place that people ride to in a Rolls-Royce to get advice from those who take the subway. Mr. Buffett's quote is remarkably accurate, but how many people would rather receive advice from him than someone simply guessing? Welcome to Buy, Hold, Sell, your single source for Wall Street knowledge and profitable guidance. Please join me, Todd Schoenberger, and fellow trader Tobin Smith, as well as host Veronica Dudo, for a podcast known to move the needle for investors. Tobin and I are seasoned Wall Street executives with deep investment experience, and we are prepared to share our advice to those who choose to listen. Download Buy, Hold, Sell today on the Evergreen Podcast Network or your favorite podcast channel.